Have you ever had the thought, when I'm in charge, that'll be different? (laughs) I thought so, and you're not alone. This is often the topic on the podcast. Whether the guests are sharing their learning moments, their called-to-lead situations, or I'm sharing something I just can't keep to myself, we're in it for the leadership, for those calling forth moments and teachings that are so good we just have to talk about them. I'm Karen Gillen, life coach for business leaders and your host. Let's get to the show. I am here with Bex McKnight, and she has amazing skills and talents, and we're going to talk about them. But before we do, Bex, will you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Bex McKnight. I'm the creative director and inclusive design consultant at uh, McKnight Inclusive Design. It's a small digital design agency based in Ontario. Um, and just for the record, my pronouns are she, her. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. So the reason I know Bex is because Nikki, who's been on the podcast in the past, who I work with, um, is sister-in-law and really good friend to Bex. She also designed my website that went live. I don't really remember when, but I get lots of good comments about it. <laughs> it's beautiful. It was it was definitely a joint effort. It's a, a gorgeous refresh. It is. It it's really like it has spa vibes, kind of like you go there and it's very calming, which I really like. Karn vibes. They're Karn right. vibes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, what? Tell me why we need consultants like you? So um, something you might not know is that currently um, there are one in four people globally who have trouble accessing um, internet content. So that's stuff on the web or uh, like websites, it could be apps. Um, So any sort of digital content, one in four people have a disability or a challenge that prevents them from being able to access that content um, equally. And so the work that I do really tries to mitigate that. We try to build websites that are more inclusive and accessible, and we can get into what that means. Uh, We try to make sure that even little things like forms, when you fill out a form on a website or uh, when you fill out a sign-up form for a new app, uh, that they take into account all of the various ways that people um, might be interacting with that content. Yeah. So basically 20, so one in four, 25% of the population who may be going to your website, maybe can't access what you're trying to share with them. Yeah. They might not be able to see it. They might not be able to click on it. They might not be able to uh, navigate through it. Uh, And especially as we move web content more towards that, like, Oh, uh, one, we have one driver. We have one action we want someone to take, whether that's Mm -hmm. to sign up for a newsletter, to book a call. Um, If someone lands on your website and they don't know how to do that because they can't find that button, let's say. uh, I mean, that's a big problem. That's a huge conversion problem. It's a usability problem. um, And it's a branding issue as well, right? Right. Yeah. No, it's it's huge. I mean, (laughs) everybody I work with and the reason we do what we do is so that we can help people. And if at the start, like at your welcome mat, one fourth of the people can't even enter the house, like that's not okay. Yeah. So, uh, and we do, and a lot of people don't know about that either. Um, like that's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting stat, uh, and only now has there started to been kind of a push towards more inclusive and accessible things. Uh, I know in the U S you know, you have the, um, the American with disabilities act, uh, and that has like a whole set of parameters and right. here in Canada, we have, or in Ontario, we have the AODA, which is our version of that as well. Yeah. But it's still new, it's still a really new thing. 
Right. And I like to think about, you know, I've worked with Trudy LeBron for a long time. And one thing she says is elevators made life better for everyone. And when we do the work to make things more accessible, it doesn't just help people who need it. It helps all of us. So like if we do, if we do this work, if we keep this work front of mind about how can we make sure everybody has equal access, equitable access, it actually makes all of our lives better. Can you share like, what's the difference between equal and equitable? How do you say that? Um, so you might've seen like there's little cartoons out there, but, um, equal access means everybody gets the same thing, um, whether that helps you or not. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, when we, when we give everyone the same chair, okay, well, everyone gets a chair, but what if you can't sit in that chair? What if that's not how you want to access your personal space? What if you don't have the abilities in that chair? Well, equal means everyone gets a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, equitable means everyone gets a chair that suits where they're at, suits their ability, their needs, and their desires. And those chairs might look different. It still means everybody gets a chair, but those chairs are then suited person to person mm-hmm. so that we all get the same experience of sitting in the chair. Right. So we all get the same experience. I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So can we talk about my website a little bit? You bet. Okay. How did, cause really you and Nikki did a lot behind the scenes. Michelle did the branding and I didn't do much other than write copy is what it feels like to me. It was like very hands off. And that was pretty awesome considering I have bootstrapped websites my, for 12 years. And now I have a beautiful one that I didn't do anything to. So like, I wouldn't say anything. You did the copy. I did That's the copy. huge. That's right. <laughs> but, um, so yeah. really it starts with the branding. Um, so having, I mean, oh my gosh, she did such a beautiful job when you yeah. sent me all the branding assets. I just like, I lost my mind cause it's just so gorgeous and, and so you, uh, and I loved it. And so my job starts whenever I work with a new client, my job starts at assessing, doing an audit of what they have. Um, so when I took all of those branding assets, uh, I do, I did a full accessibility audit on them, uh, which means I look at the different fonts that you've chosen, the colors you've chosen, and I figure out um, which ones are the most accessible uh, and which ones are the least accessible and the various ways in which they can you know, fit together. You're kind of building up a puzzle. And so uh, you think, actually it worked out really well because you had lots of different branding colors to choose from. So when I'm doing that, I'm looking at like, okay, these two colors go together really well and they're accessible. And when we say that they meet like a very specific um, numerical value of accessibility, uh, for contrast, color contrast. So basically you overlay one on the other and you look at the contrast between them and mm-hmm. they have to meet a certain value to be considered accessible. So I basically then draft up like this big plan saying, like, okay, great for the website, we're going to use these colors here and these fonts here to make sure that um, everything we start with visually uh, will be as accessible as possible. And then from there, uh, we look at, so there are different levels of accessibility. So there's the visual, um, and then there's the structural when we're talking about a website. And then there's um, kind of the softer uh, side of accessibility, which I actually say is more inclusivity. And that's looking at things like language, um, imagery, things like that. Mm-hmm. So structurally, there are lots of different things you can do um, on a website you should do to make it more accessible. There's, you know, setting up hierarchy. And that means when someone who's using um, a specific screen reader technology. So let's say you have some sort of visual impairment or challenge uh, and you can't really see what's on a website. Well, there's these cool 
software you can use that will either read aloud to you what's there um, or will describe what's there for you. Um, and if you don't have proper hierarchy, it doesn't know what to read. So it's the difference between saying like, okay, this is a title. So this says like, hi, I'm Karin, that's a title, um, which in a lot of websites, if you look at them, it might say nothing or it might say title. So like, you don't even know what it says. It just says, hi, welcome to the website, title, title one, title two, title three. And like, that's what it's reading out loud, Oh, which isn't really helpful. No, I would already be gone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, there you go. Bounce right off that. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are lots of structural elements. That's just one example. So when we're we're drafting and building, we're trying to keep all of those things in mind, how to navigate, how to use it. you know, where is your eye visually bouncing between? So we try and mm-hmm. create patterns and grids to make sure that the visual um, load or stress on a person uh, is lessened. Uh, so that's why if you look at your website, for example, um, we use like a lot of white space. We made sure mm-hmm. that the contrast in color um, is significant between things. We broke things up into blocks. So you have like a big wide block to give your eye a break from all the text. So even just like thinking about how someone might visually um, go through a page, if you landed on a website and you just saw like this wall of text, mm-hmm. you're like, that's overwhelming for someone without a visual environment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, you know, it's making sure that things are aligned properly. So when we look at things like language, um, it's taking the co- like the beautiful copy that you wrote and making sure that when we're implementing it, that the line lengths aren't too long, um, mm-hmm. that things like ideas also align. So we break up ideas into smaller blocks within blocks, mm-hmm. uh, which in the end just kind of looks like a website. But there is like a real strategy behind how we put content together. Um, and making sure that the language in the copy is inclusive, of course. Um, but that also means that there's no, um, no real jargon, uh, that mm-hmm. there, uh, aren't, uh, very, very long paragraphs. I mean, honestly, we didn't have to do a lot with the copy. You wrote really great copy, but these are just things that we think about, um, in yeah. general. Well, I've done a lot of copywriting training <laughs> in a bunch of different programs I'm in. And I'm actually someone who... When I go to a website, if there's too much happening, my brain will tune out. If there's too many words in a row, I can't read. If the if the all of the stuff is aligned center, I it's like my brain just shuts it off. So I'm already really tuned into like I don't have a whole lot of visual patience. So I write like I that. love that visual patience. I'm totally gonna use that. Um, I think you have a really great point about the center alignment. A lot of people don't know this, but um, your eye naturally, you know, reads either from left to right or right to left, depending on the language. But center aligned text because it has no specific start or end because it changes every line. Mm-hmm. We call them ragged edges. Yeah. Uh, your eye doesn't know where to go, and yeah. so it actually is more taxing, like you you said, more taxing to read when things are center aligned. So you know, best practice says if it's more than one line don't center it. So like a title, mm-hmm. you can center it. But if it's more yeah. than one line, it ideally shouldn't be centered. Um, yeah. So again, just like going through our list of best practices as we design the website and making sure that things things are where they should be. Mm-hmm. I can see like people uh, kind of bristling against like, oh my God, there's even more work to do here. And I can also feel the importance of this. So like if somebody just is ecstatic because they finally got their first website up and that's a huge win for them, what's the next thing for them to do in your opinion? It's a great question. Next 
thing. Well, first of all, congratulations on getting a new website. <laughs> exactly. <started> yeah. <laughs> um, and websites are like ba- like babies to people, right? They're mm-hmm. huge undertakings. There's a lot of emotional labor, a lot of like physical labor, a lot of financial labor that goes into them. Um, and so I never say reinvent the wheel. What you've got is probably great. Mm-hmm. Um, start with the low hanging fruit. So take under undertake a website audit. And before you launch a website, you really should be doing a final audit of it anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you're at a place where you have a new one, it's the perfect time to do an audit because it's brand new. Um, so do an accessibility audit. You can do uh, you can do them online. You can hire a company like mine to do them. Um, you know, even just to see where you might have some errors. And when you run your website through uh, a checker, it'll give you kind of, you know, 30% of the errors that might be there. Like it's never a hundred percent. I say it's usually about 30%. And then, you know, there are going to be things that are like technical that you might not understand and fix, fix the things you can fix, right? Like sometimes it's really a matter of, oh, I used my blue here on this block, but that's not really accessible. If I use the red, it's accessible. Like that's a super easy fix. right? That really anyone can do. So start with the low hanging fruit. Um, and when you get stuck, ask for help. Mm-hmm. Like with everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I get, um, a lot of comments, not comments, but I've gotten some messages from people. And I have to say before I start that I love when this happens because it means people are really engaged and reading my content. So thank you ahead of time. And I've already thanked everyone who has messaged me, but on Instagram, when we're doing the image descriptions. Those are the things where, you know, if you have a carousel of images, it says image one, Karen in the woods in a (laughs) tan jacket or whatever it is. Um, Those are there on purpose. And can you talk to us about why that is? Sure. Um, So they are called image descriptions, which if you've heard of uh, a version called alt Alt text or alternative text is different from alternative text, so I'll go through that too. But image descriptions are there um, for people who might have a visual impairment but still um, want to know what the content is. And so if they're using some sort of screenware software on the computer or on their phone, it will read out uh, that image description to them just like it reads out the caption. And it just gives them um, an opportunity to have a deeper understanding and engagement with that photo, which they might not be able to see. Maybe they're colorblind, so they don't know what color jacket you're wearing. Um, Or maybe they have a visual impairment that makes things slightly blurry, right? So all of those things um, just allow someone a deeper level of engagement. It makes, you know, we talked about like, you know, equitable experience. You're trying to make the experience of the content you're putting out more equitable. Um, And good practice for uh, image descriptions is to keep them short. You can make them kind of you know, personal, you can put your own little spin on them. But you basically want to hit the the highlights of what's in the image, but from a branding perspective. So it can be very on brand, you can make it funny. Um, but you, you know, you want to point out if there's a person, what they're doing, if you know, if they're actively engaged in something, um, talk about the environment around them. Um, and usually they can be, you know, like two to three sentences, basically, whatever mm-hmm. you need to describe it um, in a fun way. Alternative text is something that uh, you can also do on something like Instagram or Facebook, um, and we use it a lot uh, for all images on the web. But uh, it is a like a very quick snapshot of what's in the photo. Okay. And it's the difference between between saying like right now, um, Karen sitting at a desk recording a podcast. That would be alt text. Um, whereas an image description would be like Karen's wearing a blue sweater. She's sitting at a desk. There's a dresser behind her and a beautiful piece of artwork. So it gives kind of more context to Mm -hmm. the photo. 
Um, whereas alt text basically just you hit those high level um, pieces. And ideally, you can be using both of those. Um, Instagram does have an alt text feature for images and um, throw the image description in the caption. Cool. And should we be putting that above or below hashtags? Great question. I guess it depends on your hashtag strategy as to whether or not you put the hashtag in the uh, caption itself or mm-hmm. some people will put it in the first comment. So it mm-hmm. depends on your your strategy. Image descriptions should always go in the caption itself, not in the first comment. Um, and ideally, it should follow um, or precede the actual caption of the image. Um, okay. A lot of people will put the image description first so that people who are using some sort of software will get that information first. Just um, like the again, rest just, visual exactly. people do. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, I can just imagine it being really annoying to read all of their, hear all the stuff and then have to hear all the hashtags and then finally yeah. know what the picture was. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So best practice before hashtags. All right. So I'm really interested here. What you have to say on this one. Um, Tell me about a time in your life or business where you had the thought, when I'm in charge, that'll be different. Uh, well, starting my business, the reason I started my, my business. Um, so before this, I worked at the University of Toronto uh, managing their diversity program for 10 years. Um, and when I was doing my master's there, I was focusing on um, invisible disability and the student experience. So like how students who have invisible disabilities uh, engage with the campus, engage with their teachers or their, prof, you know, their profs, things like that. Um, and in my teaching materials in my classes, there was nothing accessible. So nothing was available in um, an alternative format, like large print or something for people who have dyslexia. And I just thought, like, how can we be learning about disability without accessible resources available? And so I started implementing accessible resources. So every presentation I gave, like I provided alternate formats. I gave transcripts of the presentation, all those things. And when I left, I thought, like, no, like this is what we should all be doing. Right. Um, so when I'm in charge now, that's what I'm doing differently. So, <laughs> I love it. You know, for, for everything that we have, you know, even little things like I have my uh, pronouns everywhere. All my mm-hmm. bios have my pronouns. Um, every meeting request I send out uh, says this is the form, the standard format of the meeting. If you require an alternative format, please let me know. Here are some you could request because I think it's also really important to bring visibility to the things that people aren't aware of. Like I've had so yeah. many people say like, what do you mean like a noise reduction room? I'm like, yeah, if you have a hearing impairment, it might be really difficult for you if my child's running around or my dog's running around or like my neighbor's mowing their lawn. So mm-hmm. I'll make sure for our call that I am in a noise reduced environment. Um, so I had yeah, no idea you could request that. That's really cool. Yeah. So, or like, you know, if someone um, prefers, they're really not great at typing as their form of uh, communication. Maybe they prefer something like Boxer or so using voice notes. Um, So just being aware, asking questions and giving people opportunities to create their own equity, like co-create their own equity um, and Mm -hmm. experience. So that's what I'm making different. I love it. You're in action in the moment, educating all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it was a gift that I knew Nikki and even got to know that your business existed because I knew I needed a website. I didn't have any strong feelings about who would build it, but if you're going to bother, why not do like what we can do to make it as good as we can for all the humans? Absolutely. Cause yeah. you never know who you're, the thing is you never know who you're excluding, right? 
Like you're excluding like 25% of people and you don't know who those people are. And maybe they're going to be your biggest fans, your biggest champions. Uh, Maybe they're, they're going to teach you the things you need to make your business better through Mm -hmm. engaging with you. Right. So Mm -hmm. yeah, build the best thing you can with the best resources you have available. Right. I talk a lot about business and playing for the long game. And what's coming up for me a lot in our conversation is that this is stuff that takes thoughtfulness and takes time and takes a lot of proactivity, not reactivity. And I think that's a big part of long game strategy is like, if you're just trying to throw up a bunch of stuff in a rush, that's probably not long game thinking. It's probably not going to be the most accessible no matter what. So this, I mean, this really is a, a big kind of exciting part of absolute long game. Like we, we are in a hurry. We are going to make this the best experience for everyone as well as we know how, and this is a really good way to do it. How, um, how do you think about long game in terms of your business? Uh, long, I mean, staying abreast of the changes, uh, in my business, like it's a digital business. Um, things are changing so rapidly. Legislation's changing rapidly when it comes to accessibility. Um, you know, every, every state, uh, in the U S like has their own either version or lack of version of, uh, how they interpret the ADA when it comes to digital content. So our long game really is staying as abreast of that as possible. Um, I also, there's the, something called the W3, the worldwide consortium, um, of web accessibility, and they set the global standards for accessibility across the web. Um, and I sit on one of their task forces. So for me, the long game is like staying ahead of what's coming so that Mm -hmm. when I'm building websites now, I already have the next version of what's coming down the pipeline integrated into these websites. Um, I think um, as we go, more countries around the world are starting to do this as well. So like we're just picking up on this in the last few years here, but it's going to explode globally um, as especially as more like um, larger countries like the UK um, and most of Europe now have their own version of this uh, step on board. So I think my hope is that we only keep growing because I'd love to see more accessible content mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And right now it's a lot of education. So for me, the long game is educating, just yeah. constantly educating, um, educating clients, potential clients. Um, I also, you know, I teach at our local college. So trying to make sure that the next generation of designers is also like, this is like, you know, in their brains. Um, this is the first thing that they think about versus like you said, being proactive or reactive. We want to build proactive programs, proactive education resources. So just keep mm-hmm. teaching. <laughs> keep yeah. Teaching. Yeah. I feel like the next two, I, I call them the pillars of business your way is playing the long game, high integrity and caring. I just feel like high integrity and care are so built into what you're doing, but are there little ways that you do it or different ways that you do it that you would want to highlight? Oh, uh, great question. Um, I mean, I think that everything I do is done from an, like an inclusive standpoint. Like my lens has always been inclusivity. It's what I did my degree in. It's what I, I taught. It's what I do now. And so I think for me that the difference in what I do um, is so education focused. I think a lot of people who are getting into my, my space, like my digital accessibility world, a lot of other agencies focus on the fear um, mm-hmm. that like, oh, you're going to get litigated against, oh, you're going to get sued. Oh, you know, if you don't, if you don't do this, X will happen. Whereas right. I really try and take a more compassionate stance 
um, a more uplifting stance saying like, yes, you might get litigated against. That's absolutely a thing. But wouldn't it be great if we thought about all the people you're helping instead of just like the bottom line of your business, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so I I try and yeah, take a more compassionate lens. And I think a lot of people do education first. (laughs) Right. And really go after what you want in this better sense of the world versus being afraid and being chased by the the wolf. Yeah. Is, be a leader, so. right? Like I want right. all my clients to be leaders, right? Yeah. Like I'm trying and I try and teach them. It's not just like here's your website, go go forth with it. It's like mm-hmm. here's your website, here's how you can keep it accessible, here's how you can keep it growing, here's how you can um, change all all the different aspects and facets of your digital presence to make them reflect the great work that we just did. You know, like the image descriptions, that's a thing anyone can start doing. Like yeah. if you're listening to the podcast, put image descriptions in tomorrow. Like it's yeah. such an easy thing to do. Just start doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when we do it, my my team does that. And when I do my own photos and upload them, I often forget and I'm working on remembering. Like <laughs> I don't get it right all the time, but I am trying to remember. And I think we have to keep doing that. Yeah. You just keep doing it. You just try and make it um, a part of the process, right? Like mm-hmm. just like any other process, you just put it in there and add it to the checklist every time, add it to the mm-hmm. checklist. Um, and it is a little bit about brain rewiring, right? We get so into the way that we do business, the way we manage our Instagram, the way that we communicate with clients that like remembering to add that extra line about how would you like to be communicated with sometimes will take a few prompts um, yeah. or take someone else seeing it. But I think we all have opportunities to be leaders in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, can I ask just a few personal questions about you? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, what's one thing that you don't travel without? A notepad. I keep a notepad. Uh, I think I have like 30 notepads, like literally one in, <laughs> one in every bag, one in every purse. Um, I'm constantly just thinking about um, ideas and reflecting on them. Sometimes it's like sketching because, you know, I'm a designer. Uh, and sometimes it's just like I'll see an interaction happen somewhere and I'll take notes about it so I can go back and use it as an example when I teach. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely a notepad. Nice. And what's a favorite restaurant experience you've had? I love restaurants that you can walk into who know their jam so well that you can walk in and be like feed me Mm -hmm. I don't want to look at a menu I want you to bring me what you do best because I really again I think it goes back to leadership like yes I'm sure you make lots of great things but why don't you just serve me the way you want to showcase your restaurant um I've had that at a few different restaurants some in Toronto some um some here out in Niagara and it's just it's such a lovely experience because you can see your server light up you can see the kitchen light up right like when they are Mm -hmm. told to like you do your best thing and like that's what makes me happy I just I love empowering people like that that is the best and I agree (laughs) I'm I like asking my server well what do you actually eat and then ordering that um, how do you link into your local community? Sounds like through a university. Yeah. So I teach at a local college here. Um, I teach digital accessibility. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also uh, do a bunch of webinars uh, at the local chamber of commerce. Again, I mean, everything I do is digital accessibility. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I sit on our town council's inclusivity committee. So basically, uh, I help with policy development, um, I help with uh, special projects, uh, basically do, I do inclusivity consulting for the town, 
mm-hmm. um, which I, I live in, Nikki and I live in a very small town. Um, it's like 14,000 people. Um, the average age of the people here is like 55, which is also really interesting because when you look at like inclusivity and accessibility, those are different challenges than like a younger town, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just being more aware of those things, I think has really helped. I've sat on the, t- the committee for two years now. Um, you know, making sure that the town is appropriately celebrating things like Pride Month, um, things that, you know, often we don't have resources for in small towns. And so mm-hmm. that's why they rely on people like me. But nice. How do you keep your energy up when you're constantly like kind of seeing the places to poke? <laughs> that's a great question. Oh, um, honestly, this business is very emotional. Uh, being in a, a business where you are constantly trying to educate people to do better and to, what I often say is be better humans, like just be Mm -hmm. a better human can get really emotionally exhausting. Um, because sometimes you just want to say like, why can't you just be a better human? Like, why don't you (laughs) see the value in this? Um, so uh, I think te- teaching for me uh, is really the en- the most energizing thing because I love uh, seeing connections being made with students, um, seeing how engaged they are in the content, how much they're like willing to take on this kind of like new level um, and biking. <laughs> I do a lot, a lot of cycling mm-hmm. uh, just to, it's such a great way to clear my head, um, just get on my bike and, you know, ride for 60, hundred K uh, is a really great way to clear your mind, especially when the frustration kind of bogs you down. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I know you live in a beautiful area too. There's some good I live in wine country. At. It's like not the worst place to bike around. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's a myth that other people believe about you that you let them keep? Oh, um, Hmm. That I was happy in my old job because I was really good at it. Uh, when I was working at U of T, I was like, I was, I was a great program manager. Like, you know, students love me. I was having a real impact, but I was really unhappy with some of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you work for, it's the, you know, the largest university in Canada. And so when you work for a huge university with a ton of bureaucracy, um, it can just feel like you're never getting anywhere. And ultimately it's why I left. Uh, but I think everyone just looked at me was like, oh my God, you're like excelling. You're doing so great. You've been there 10 years. Like, you know, um, and I kind of just like let them think that because that was my time there. And now I'm doing something where like every single day I see the lived impact of the work that I'm doing. I have, you know, people write to me, I get to talk to students, um, from my lens as well. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I get to set the terms for my engagement. Um, and I love that. So People thought I did a great job there. That's awesome. Um, right. But I think sometimes it's okay to just back away from really toxic situations and not have to say anything about it. Yeah. Large universities. My husband works for one. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you just want to put out there or make sure that people know as they're considering being a better human? Uh, it doesn't cost the money that you think it does no it doesn't yeah it doesn't uh everyone always said the number one roadblock i hear is like but that sounds expensive um and it's not there are so many things that you can do right now to change the way that you engage with other people to be a more compassionate and empathetic and inclusive person 
person. Mm-hmm. Put your pronouns in your bio. It doesn't cost anything. Add image descriptions to your images. It doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. Um, read. Read some resources on how you can be doing better. Read uh, up on inclusive communication styles. Um, start asking a lot of questions. None of that costs money. Um, and if you are considering, um, you know, overhauling, rebuilding a website, um, auditing your online presence, um, always start with an audit. The best thing mm-hmm. you can do is know where you're at, uh, because if you're going to engage a company or a person like me, we're going to do the same thing. And I always believe in meeting people where they're at. So yeah. We meet you where you're at and then we try and make it better. Right. Nobody's here to shame. No. Yeah. So awareness first, always just like coaching. Exactly. Yeah. So where can uh, folks find you? Uh, my website is mcknightid.com. That's M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T.ID.com. Um, you can email me at bex, that's B-E-X, at mcknightid.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at mcknightdesigns, plural.com, or not.com, at mcknightdesigns, Instagram <laughs> is not.com. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm all over LinkedIn. You can Google me too. Um, actually, I'll like, I'll hat tip myself. I just won a, a 40 under 40 award for my work. So that nice. might come up. It's an easy way to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if anyone is listening and, is, and has questions or is interested in learning more about what they can do, obviously uh, hit me up. Um, and we're always also looking for uh, mentees. So if someone's interested in what I do, uh, and how they can be a leader in their own organization. Um, that's another thing. We do a lot of training and education. Cool. Awesome. Okay. And we'll link all that in the show notes as well. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for creating a, not only a beautiful website, but a accessible website. It feels better knowing that it's out there. It's gorgeous. And I was so happy to launch and it was just, it's probably one of the easiest projects I've ever worked on. You were just so wonderful to work with. So chill. Um, and so like willing to learn too, willing to like go along with the flow. Um, so I love that. It was great. I think we produced something really, really beautiful. I agree. My thought going into the process was we're going to be the easiest client ever. And so I did everything from that thought. (laughs) It really helped. It's like, you can, you can really hate a process or you can decide you're just going to go with the flow and make it easy. Like let's, let's do it the easy way that helps people. The easy way that makes you a better human. Mm -hmm, Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to, to share with us. I think this is really important. Great. And thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here for sharing your time and your ears with us. And before you go, I have something new we created just for you. It's a quiz. Have you ever wondered how you stack up when it comes to the three pillars of business your way? Well, now you'll know. Click the link in the show notes or go to karengillen.com forward slash quiz to find out just what type of business owner you are. I can't wait to see your results. Take good care of you and your people and leave a review for the podcast. It really helps. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next week.